0: welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. Today, we're going to speak about a very uh, a special topic that is inspired by the passing of Chadwick Bozeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get into the, what it exactly it is in a minute. We'll probably have a moment to talk about him. Uh, with each other, but uh, let's talk about who we are. I am Chris Ryan, former journalist, longtime teacher, and independent author, now tra- uh, kind of transferring over to traditionally published or hybrid. Uh, and with us, we have the spoken word champion of champions, the co founder of <laughs> Black Nerd Problems. And wait a second. Oh man. <laughs> the publisher oh, man, man, the writer of these this poetry book where we were all someone else yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Omar Holman.
1: Also and former of student of
0: Ryan. Oh, <laughs> looking <on laughs> and looking over all of us from his Citadel of leadership,
2: (laughs) we have...
0: The legendary comic book scribing teenage detective uh, teenage detective writing, great underused character developing and <laughs> globe-drotting creator of the world-renowned blackjack, <laughs> African American American soldier fortune set in the 1930s, who we need to come and kick some presidential ass today. Ladies and gentlemen,
2: Alex Simmons
1: wow okay folks <laughs> we are
2: here we are here we are here and if you didn't know it before yes we are definitely here today and chris omar good to see you guys again uh, actually it's great and omar you looking good you got a lot more hair than i do <laughs> uh, dark. I, I can't i can't even enter that conversation <laughs> okay. the chin you're doing okay up top it's a whole nother question uh, and I've, I've got a premature, but that's not even important. Uh, it's, it's, good, it's good to know that you guys are here. It's good to know the world's out there. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. And yes, uh, a couple of, uh, uh, you know, uh, nothing, to celebrate somebody who we all respect, at least all of us here in this, in this particular place and many around the world, uh, Chadwick. Uh, It is amazing uh, because a couple of things, one, we'll talk about them for a brief moment, but the other thing is exactly as we are recording this episode, which is at three o'clock in the afternoon, um, a a panel that I recorded called Wakanda Forever, uh, Psychology of the Black Panther, is being presented at DragonCon online. Oh, nice. So so literally at this exact moment, I'm (laughs) somewhere else, you know.
1: It's breaking time potential
2: yeah, but we're talking about you know Chadwick about the Black Panther about Wakanda about the influences, reactions, and all of those things. So I feel sort of you know it's 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 an amazing thing, and I think we'll talk about it briefly and then get into our topic for the day. But I'll I'll sort of swing the the, the mic over towards uh, Chris, Ooh, my face. and let him uh, ex- express himself first.
0: Well, I'm going to keep it, I, I, I was kind of lengthy last week, so I'm going to keep it short. What uh, what you continue to see with jazz with Bozeman, uh, excuse me, I can't speak today. Um, <laughs> Dentures keep slipping, it's okay. Is the, uh, uh, <laughs> um, the more clips you see of this uh, uh, spirit, you know, this uh, spirit of positivity and this, this um, man that was like a living insight. The more you see uh, him express himself and talk about uh, things that would would not resonate in other times or from other people, it just shows again and again that the core of this gentleman was nobility and was purpose. And okay. it continues, continues to be uh, inspiring. So when I got the email or the text from you, I said, yep, this is, makes a lot of sense. I'm interested, very interested to hear uh, what uh our, our friend Omar might have to say about
1: Chadwick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: oh Omar oh
1: yeah right okay Hey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we was talking to my uh friend will about this because we were, we're talking it was just like oh, that that moment but then look it's 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 also like yeah Chadwick's a dude that had a uh, hindsight and foresight and for us it's hindsight now that we can look back at his body of work and be like man he was he was who he I mean, you're an actor, yeah, but, like, you were who you said you were, and he played the roles, like, his roles showed that as well, and he was such an earnest person, and, like, when they say, like, oh, yeah, he transcends the character, like, how true can it be where this, he played a fictional character that's a king, and now we refer to him, like, now as King Bozeman, like, you you yeah. did that so well, you did this shit so well, and it was such, like, a turning point for history, um, for black folks, um... Asian folks even because the dude that's playing uh, Shang-Chi in Marvel, he was like, "Let's get this straight. I would not be here playing Shang-Chi if it was not for Chadwick Boseman playing Black Panther." And he sent that out in a tweet. Like, he's like, "I'm riding your coattails, man." And what an honor it is. Like, it's something that transcends. like that, that that's when we say like transcends. Like that he is the definition of that. And um, also like he, when I say earnest too, like he kept like he. Yeah, he, he was real as hell, man. He was black as fuck, man. And he kept it that in his roles and uh, outside the roles as well. And uh, considering now what he was going through too, where he not like he was suffering through um, colon cancer, but like still like kept it under wraps and like still kept working, man. Like it, it's it, and even like that his uh, that this announcement came from his family, it felt more like it, it hurt more but also it felt like, all right, damn, like, all right, right, as opposed to, like, it coming out from, like, TMZ or something like that, mm-hmm. um, like, this felt like it, that, it added to the earnesty, like, you had that, that tight-ass circle, and, like, so, yeah, man, when it dropped, it was, like, it was, like, a real big, like, it's, like, a turning point where, um, it's funny, because, like, when, in historical moments, we like, there's a big turning point, like, I guess, uh, I'm, I'm not assuming you guys are this old, but like I could ask my father, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I remember. I remember the page I was on in the um, the textbook when JFK was shot, or when Martin Luther King was shot. I remember. I remember everything." Bozeman is one of those like uh, he's a celebrity, yeah, but like he did so much. Where it's like I will I will never forget where I was when he passed. uh, When he got because like yeah, it was it was it it's a moment. uh... Uh, that
0: delineate your life. It's like a yeah. book, book in your life. There's time before, and then there's time after. Now, I myself was in diapers when Kennedy... <laughs> I remember, <laughs> uh, most likely, yeah. Alex was working as an adult by then. I had a uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I was in class this week, and I was, you know, we were we we're trying to get them uh to re-engage right so we were talking about shared experiences and it was leading up to this uh quarantine right that we all how did we cope with quarantine right how did we cope with covid but to get there is there is all always moments that split your life you know mm-hmm. you know it might be the loss of a loved one you know um, and you wrote a beautiful book of poetry about that. It oh, yeah. still <laughs> my soul and fills my eyes. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not purchased <laughs> We Were All Someone Else Yesterday, available everywhere. Um, that is Omar Holman. I'm sorry, um, what was that book again? It was <laughs> We Were All Someone Else Yesterday by Omar Holman. By who? It, uh, Omar Holman. Oh, oh very, Omar. Very, okay. very relevant to that idea of how yeah. your life, you get these markations, you know, or demarcations where it's boom boom. For me, I was a college freshman when uh, John Lennon was assassinated. Ah. And there was the life before, the life after. Same thing with Challenger. Same thing with nine eleven. And then the class and I got to speak about this. You know, the the quarantine coronavirus has been something that, you know, that we all go through and there's no there's no saying you know it was a good thing that Chadwick died never Mm -hmm. never 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 but that he died and he was this productive Mm -hmm. in these many challenging roles that are so iconic and he spoke so many very important things that are quotable and and reviewable all while silently suffering oh. more than most. Uh, that, that cancer is a very, very painful cancer. And even that deepens the meaning of all of that he achieved oh. at a time when we all are frustrated about having to wear a mask.
1: Yeah. Right? <laughs> <So it's, laughs> yeah.
0: You, you never hear the Lone Ranger complaining back.
2: about that.
0: Well, not the long Ranger, but almost everyone else. Yeah, you know, you got to stop bringing up your contemporaries, Alex. I will not uh, <laughs> We're here to talk about
2: stories and things. So yes. Just
0: because no. you went, uh, just because you went to high school with the long range. Just
2: no, I went to high school with Tonto. I he introduced <laughs> me. <to laughs> gotcha. yeah. Let me let me just jump in quickly because we we want to we wanna get to some other elements. Um, I was saying, you know, that that the. Uh, the effect of, of of what has happened with the passing of Chadwick, and and there's so much that's being said about his impact for some of the reasons that you mentioned and and, and Omar mentioned. Um, I think it's also very clear that certain people will impact on our lives yeah. uh, as as we as we live. You know, as we go from childhood to adulthood, and if we're fortunate, uh, we get to make that full journey. I know that there's an organization called um, uh, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, and that was inspired by the death of a young boy who died of cancer, and it was a highway patrolman whose wife introduced him to this young boy who was the son of a friend of hers, and the boy wanted to grow up to be a highway patrolman, that was what he wanted to do, you know, and as the husband realized this, this boy is suffering and probably won't make it, he went to his commander and he said, "Look." This is what this kid wants. Is there anything we can do? And the commander went, yeah. And him and some of the guys got together. They actually commissioned a uniform to be made for his size. Oh. And the uniform, because he wanted to be highway patrol, has wings. It's almost like a pilot. It has certain wings. So the boys in the hospital, I'm condensing the story, the boys in the hospital suffering when the uniform arrives, but the wings yeah. aren't
1: there. Yeah.
2: So, you know, just, just hang in there. They get the wings and everything, and they... They put him in the, the wings don't come. He gets in the uniform. He is, he goes to a ceremony on the parade ground yeah. to be brought in, to be enlisted as a highway patrolman in the uniform. They actually helicopter, they gave him a helicopter ride from his home to the the, the highway patrol station where they, they you know, had the ceremony. But then he, he fell ill and he was in the hospital and he was waiting for the wings. And the wings came and they pinned it to his uniform, which was sitting or hanging by his bed. And he passed. Holy shit. And he died. Wow, wow, wow. And it impacted so much on the patrolman because he and the guys who had come together to make this possible, they're all going, this is not enough. We got to do something more. We got to do something Mm -hmm. more. We got to make another wish come true. Boom, 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 boom. So that little boy in his time affected those people who then affected so many lives thereafter. So all I'm going to say, you know, going back to Chadwick is... um, he did what he did, he was who he was, and I think the best thing that we can do long after folks stop talking about him is to pick up that torch he dropped and carry it for him, continue to do the best we can do to be the best people we can be and and to stand for something, you know, solid and inclusive and not divisive and uh, to, to make life a little bit better for others if we can. So. My twenty-four cents. I marked it down. You know, just, you
1: know. I didn't know that was the uh, the the origin of that Make a witch Foundation. What y- what year did this like happen? It was like the seventies? Yeah, I was
2: that because now I got to go look that up. I saw <laughs> the documentary that led mm-hmm. me knowing that, and I saw that documentary easily eight nine years ago. Okay. So you know, it's uh, it's it's things like that. I'm a part of an organization called the Christopher Barron Live Life Foundation, and that has worked for almost ten years taking comic art workshops into underprivileged schools or yeah. underserved schools <clears throat> in New Jersey. And I've been a part of that, and that was also inspired by the death of an eight year old who died from cancer. Okay. So, you know, again, we don't want kids dying just so we get inspired to do something good. Yeah, yeah. But again, children to adults can't influence us and, and the, the lives they live and the stories they tell or share. Can influence it, which segues us into stories that influence us. So I, I can talk for at least 20 minutes. Chris can talk for two or three days because I saw mm-hmm. his stockpile. So <laughs> I'd like to start with Omar. Plus, yeah. just ladies and germs sitting out there. Uh, I got from social media. I reached out and other people had thrown in, added on their suggestions. So we'll be referring to this. Just uh, sort of cover as many bases as we can in the short time we have together today. So mm-hmm. Omar. Take
1: it away, sir. Uh, this is a story. It was from the Green Lantern. Uh, Jeff Jones wrote it with uh, Ivan Reyes doing uh, art. I believe it won an award as well. Uh, it might be like a Spike. I don't think it was a Spike TV comic award. It was some, <laughs> it was some kind of award.
2: Spike Lee award.
1: I was No, that. no, no. <laughs> it, uh, it was about uh, this uh, Blue Lantern called uh, St. Brody Walker. And it goes into his origin where um, he's on this planet and uh, their son was dying. And so they kept saying, like, this Messiah would come and um, all would be well. I, I believe they were saying, like, you know, everything will be, will be all right. So he like, kept his faith while the world was like going into chaos, like literally like anarchy and apocalypse. So they're like, all right, well, we heard the Messiah like lays on top of this mountain. And so he travels with his family up the mountain. Uh, his daughter, Isis, e. like, he tried to find food for them, E.C.'s berries, and she's, she dies. The mother, uh, she slips off a, a rock and uh, as they were climbing and she dies. And it's just him and the son left. And then the sun gets swept away in a um, in a river as he's going in. And, and Walker keeps saying to himself, repeating the scriptures, like, "All right, it'll, it'll all be well. It'll, everything will be fine. This will be fine. The Messiah will it'll fix everything. We, keep, you know, we endure. We keep going." He climbs up to this. Uh, he climbs up to the top of the mountain, and all that's there is just like stone, like this uh, same height as him, just like stone slab. And he's like looking around, like, yeah, "What? Like, what is this? Like, where is the Messiah supposed to be here?" And he's shouting, like, shouting to heaven, like, "Where are you?" where are you and there was a line where he's like he's, he's like he gets like he's like snaps and he's a like, man like, what, like like this is all false like what like, what the hell is this what the fuck is this? And he starts ripping scriptures out of his book and he's screaming and he says uh the perfect line that jeff john's right in and he's like i yelled at god and then god yelled back and this crack of lightning comes down and then the rain comes and then on that stone slab that was in front of him it's just a mirror and then he's looking in the mirror and he's like i understand and then he comes back down from the mountaintop and he's like preach like there is no Messiah, or whatever. It's it's all in you. Like God works through mm-hmm. you, and so he goes back down to um to the people, whatever. Starts preaching to them and whatnot, and everyone get like calming everybody, and they all get calm. And um, I believe it's their prayer. He gets the ring, the blue ring first, or it's their prayer. Uh, I think he gets the blue ring first, and their prayer is what empowers him through hope to change that sun, uh, that dying sun, back into a blue star. And uh, I'm not a religious person. I'm not even a godly person or whatever like that. But I'm like I can appreciate like. Why I like that story and why I'm such a changer. I'm like, yo, this shit is beautiful. One, two, it's also like it's like the hero's journey, which I learned from Mr. Ryan in his class. Uh, three, we've heard this story before, but like the way it's told, I'm like that that line I yelled at God, and then God yelled back, and like you can relate, like you've all ha- I've had that instance in my life. Where God didn't yell back at me yet, but like you know, what I'm saying we've all had that moment. And then the, the, that that line of you know, God yelled back and that, that reveal, I'm like, like that is this is great storytelling right here. This is beautiful storytelling. That's something like that always like um like one of many comics that always stuck out to me. But like for some reason that jumps into my head and how ironic that I'm not a religious person or anything like that. But I'm like, yo, I can respect I can I can respect the telling of the story and like and its mm-hmm. message and shit. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Excellent.
2: Excellent. Mr. Ryan. All right. Well, I have
0: taken the pile that I have, they have <laughs> And I've broken them up. So these are early influences. And I'm going to go like a lightning round, okay? First one is The Outsiders, S.E. Hinton. Stay gold, pony boy. (laughs) You know, the impossibility of staying innocent. That struck me. That so inspired me that I went out and I got a pen and a a notebook. And I started writing my first book, completely plagiarizing The (laughs) Outsider. Next one was Durango Street. And mm. this was a real urban story, and I was in a, a white ghetto. I had no idea of other experiences, mm-hmm. and this cracked my little
1: egg open. How old were you? Um, How old were you at the time? Uh,
0: at the time? Uh, probably seventh grade. You know, so I was really, really young. Uh, we had a total of one black kid in the neighborhood. His name was Brian. That's so you could keep track of them because it was only one at the time, <laughs> but the time right? There's, but it, but you it know, took so, you guys
2: a long time to count that one well yeah
0: yeah, you know because it was what it was was. but by the time we got uh you know to high school age the neighborhood was changing very quickly but some of these influences helped me through that um this one was not one of them it was illusions by richard bach and the only thing that i would point out there is you know it had this magic book that every time you opened, you'd get an answer and one time, the the guy in the book opened it and said, you can get anything you want. You may have to work for it, however. <laughs> Slap me right in the forehead, and I kept mm. Uh Robert E. Howard, Conan, the energy of that, and this idea of um, simple belief in what was right and wrong, you know? Uh, I was uh, introduced uh, earlier Sav- on, Doc Savage, <laughs> and uh, that he stuck with me as a better Superman than Superman, you know, and he was the man of bronze. I always believed he was South American, you know, because mm. of the bronze skin and all that. And that's where all those riches came from. And it was always weird where people had a hard time with that. He was just a tanned white guy. So it was, you know, it was a, a already a, 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 a confusing thing for me why they couldn't just uh, deal with it. The first big fat book I ever read was The Stand. <laughs> By uh, Stephen oh, Jesus. King. Jesus, look at that oh. bad boy. This is the uh, unabridged what version. Pages is that
2: uh, hold on, let me find out. This was what well, do uh, you uh, envision? You know, like I can't even think of it a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know? That sucker's thick. That's Maybe what she said. Right um, 1439.
2: One thousand four hundred and thirty nine pages. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah.
0: captivated me. That it you know, eventually I, I moved on to the Lord of the Rings, but this was the one oh and again it was from uh my my true literary t- uh tutor, which was my, one of my best friends, Roger Ross. He'd mm-hmm. go like like he was giving me illegal drugs. Yeah, check this out. You know,
1: <laughs> from his Hold that
0: dungaree jacket, and I'd have to put it in the pocket of my dungaree jacket. All right, here's something you'll you'll love. Jim Steranko, Fiction Illustrated. his Oh, Chattery yes. Piece. Yeah, you see. Sandler, yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that was, it was just so beautifully done. And it really was my introduction to, like, noir, you know.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, Captain America and the Falcon, that they would rely on each other as uh, friends, you know. Uh, I, I was deep into Captain America and the Falcon. And I knew, I would got allergy shots every week. And I never turned into Captain America. Now, I, so I had no shot of being Captain America So I thought, you know, Sam seemed like a pretty regular guy from the neighborhood I thought I had a better shot at being the Falcon <laughs> so I, was always, I always favored the Falcon uh, This is Marvel Masterworks But the reason I brought this up was Avengers uh, 57 and 58 and 57 is the uh, famous introduction, Behold the, vil- the Vision Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the story because he is created and in, imbued, indoctrinated with a set of thoughts and beliefs. Here's a completely different set of thoughts, assesses them, says, oh, no, those set of thoughts are better mm. and changes his mind and changes his life. And as a result, his foes ask him to join them. Yeah. And they have that famous moment where, you know, he says, "Can I be excused for a minute?" And uh, Hank Pym goes, uh, "You know, if we could see him now, we would discover that even an android could could cry and, uh, <laughs> with, the, with the one tear, right?" But for me, um, here, and here's that famous picture. But for me, it was that ability to assess information and change your life. There's that oh. great, great uh, picture. Uh. Um, that you could that you could change your life and and um, become a better human, you know that that's what stuck with me. This is the great odd couple, the uh, Oscar and Felix of comicdom, Green Lantern, Green oh, Lantern. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. uh, the whole thing where they took on
2: Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, yeah, yes,
0: and those two had them take on the issues of the time mm-hmm. from a very conservative and a very liberal point of view and I really learned about those different views and and honoring the difference and being able to have a conversation about them from there.
1: Mm.
0: There's a terrible cover from to a read that? <clears throat> <clears throat> what? more people should <laughs> read that. You more should people read should that. read that. <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> and, and and you know at, you know we we could use that kind of stuff. We could also use another outsider point of view that pulled no punches. Howard the Duck. Oh. <laughs> Steve Gerber, run! Right, the Steve Gerber run again. It, it taught me, and and I, you know, Omar, you might remember that I said this in class a lot. That we can discuss anything, Thanks. but how we discuss it, you mm-hmm. know. All right, I got uh, three more. Uh, one, again, we go back to Robert E. Howard, but we talk about Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith. This is a huge oh, nah, version damn. of Red Nails. And I picked that up at a con one time, and I thought it was. You must, I have, was like he 100, must have
2: 150 presses to be able to pick that up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was,
2: like, Dad, there you go. I was younger there. then. <laughs> I want it. I'm I'll sorry, that's right. Look at Omar. Omar's ready. Yeah, hold on. Um, folks. he's not holding up a comic book. He's not holding up a 20. No, that was a
1: tablet. tablet.
2: Yeah, it he's is. holding up a tablet. I mean, yeah, the sucker's bound and everything.
0: What was the company? Um... Original art archi- archives. And what they would do is they would get the actual uh, pages, right, mm-hmm. from whoever had so them. 11 by 17, yeah. 11 by 17, and they published it like that. So one to one ratio. So it was full size what the art looked like. Ooh. And uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. At, but the reason I point that out is, is the reason why I was so enamored of comic books is the the, the marriage of uh, the visual with the written word and what that could do. And this is a great example of that. I have two more from this section, and then we'll go back and we'll do something else. But first, <laughs> one of America's all-time great storytellers, and that's Richard Pryor. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Richard Pryor. If you don't know him, you got to go find him. And uh, never told a joke, always told a story oh. and taught us more, you know. And then the next thing is someone who, uh, again, a friend of yours, Alex, and he wrote about the far-flung future <laughs> when uh, when <laughs> animals and lizards were in control. The far-flung future of 2020. This is Hill yeah. Raven. <laughs> by Don McGregor. <laughs> by Don McGregor and a slew of other artists and stuff. But you know I, I had I liked it when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't like the hot pants pants version. I liked when he <laughs> yeah, had more I, of like I, pants on. You I, know, I, can you see yeah. that?
1: Yeah. But I'm um,
0: it. But the uh, the idea that recently, you know, came up around uh, last December that Kill Raven was happening in 2020 mm-hmm. made me want to go back and revisit it. And that's when I started realizing how much Uh, McGregor was able to accomplish in what was at best considered a a B-level or C-level comic book. You know, they kind of let him roll with it and he really took on a lot of stuff. Uh, You know, he was dealing with the far-flung future, but uh, the metaphor is so much stronger this year. Okay, that's part one. I have several others, but I'll give up the
2: mic for (laughs) a little. (laughs) Well, uh, let me, me, before I jump into the, two or three things that I have. Let me just reach in here, um, and I'm going to just mention some of the ones that came from the the Internet and the wonderful people who contributed here. So from, I won't use last names, folks, because you didn't give me permission. So Frank says, Mr. Monster, the Twilight Zone-ish little tale in Strange Tales number 99, uh, Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, uh, Kirby, and Ayers. So that's that's quite an, an interesting mix-up there. Uh, Good Man is Hard to Find, that's a slice of Southern Gothic crime, and uh, I don't know, by Flannery O'Connor. That's not a name that I know, but you know it, okay? Yeah, Flannery O'Connor. Here's another one, 24 Hour Man, by McGregor, Craig Russell, and it's uh, about the essential functions and futility of life, highly compressed. So I'm assuming this is a story that Don did for maybe Warren Publications, they don't, they don't mention... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, what publication it was. Then we have from Carla, I Heard the Owl Call My Name by Mark Craven. It's about a young priest who learns to respect and appreciate the cultures of the first people. Cool, very cool. Okay, and I'll just pull two more. Uh, Garrett says The Tempest. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so that moves into the, the Shakespearean region. Uh, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, that is by Scott. And Maureen gives us O. Henry's The Last Leaf.
0: Yeah, great story. Oh, yeah,
2: man. okay. There's more. I got one more. This is Continental. This is this is from um, someone in, across the Great Pond, but then a little further south uh, east. Um, applying, he says, applying to American literature, meaning this is where he will reach for this particular one, I Sing the Body Electric by Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. Yeah. So, sure. yeah. Um, so what I will say is, you know, when I when I came up with wanting to know uh, about this, a couple of things uh, sparked that thought, uh, and then I'll, I'll name mine. One of them is, uh, and again, because I didn't get permission to mention this, one, there was a um, a woman who was writing for DC Comics uh, some years back, and she was writing Batman. And anybody who knows any of that history will figure out who I'm talking about. And she was writing, and I loved her writing, and a lot of people were talking about, gee, it's a woman's writing, this, a woman's so that's kind of deep for a woman. You know I was like, She's writing Batman as a woman. I'm like, Yeah, okay, she's a woman. We got that. <laughs> even when we look at her, we can tell, hey, she's a woman. All right. Mm. But her writing was, I think what was throwing folks was her writing was so good, so deep, and it had so many levels to it that they couldn't quite figure out how she was pulling this off. Oh, and she's a woman. Mm. So I decided to ask her and a couple of other people, all right, you work in comics. Where do you get your ideas from? What, what do you read? What do you do? That,
0: Not that question.
2: <laughs> and uh, she, a lot of what she read was psychology books. Nice. Some literary pieces, but she also read a lot of psychology books. And when I wrote the article, after talking to a number of people and getting that sort of feedback, folks were reading the article, going, but they write comics. But, but, but. Yeah. yeah. I said, no, you don't understand. And 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 Ray Bradbury said this to me years later. And an actor named Jeremy Britt who played Sherlock Holmes on on, uh, BBC said the same thing to me. We as creators must fill ourselves up with either life experiences, reading other materials, seeing Mm. other things so that when we go to the well to write or create, we have something to pull from. Mm. And so literally anybody, whether they're creators or not, when you read stories, when you watch your favorite film, when you watch television, Certain ones will resonate with you. They will stick with you forever. And so I will just quickly say one of mine now, uh, The Lone Ranger and Tonto, because we mentioned, I told you, I went to school with Tonto. No, (laughs) not for real. Um, Folks think, well, that's a TV show and it was was fictional. Yeah, yeah, I I got all that. But I was um, a a young kid growing up. My dad was not in the picture. My mom was doing the best she could. My grandfather and my grandmother lived way downtown. We saw them on the weekends and not always every weekend. So a lot of my influences in terms of male lead were the things I saw on television. Mm. And one of the things about the Lone Ranger I love was, you know, cool costume. Yeah, and he, he, he saved people and he had this cool mask, and that was great. But the other thing, and I didn't even really understand initially how important it was, was that Tonto was not, was not like him. Mm. Tonto was this Indian, I know Native American is a PC phrase, but in my childhood, He was this Indian and they were like great friends. And you have to understand when you watch television in the the late 50s, early 60s, most of the Westerns you saw, we were shooting at the Indians. Yeah. You know, or we were making sure they stayed on the reservation or we were capturing the Indians or we were trading with the Indians or we were screwing over the Indians. They weren't our best friends. Mm -hmm. They weren't our brothers. Mm -hmm. Someone used the phrase now, I come as brothers. We are. No, the Ranger and Tonto were like tied at the hip. And you wanna take out one, you gotta take out the other. And I don't care what kind of trouble you're in, I'm gonna come riding to your aid. Mm -hmm. We will stand or go down together. And that was so important to me, and I didn't even realize it, to see these two men from these two different backgrounds and they had each other's backs no matter what. And I remember looking for a friend like that in my early years, wanting to know I had this one close friend that no matter what happened, we were in it together. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, you know, why I missed, I didn't consciously say it, but why I missed my father, why I wish he had been a part of my life at times. And and part of it was this imagery of these two men being able to stand for something, being able to help other people, and having each other's backs. Mm-hmm. So their, their stories, and, and with the original cast, of Clayton Moore and Jay Silverheel. That image, I've seen the other Lone Ranger stuff, and don't even get me into it. <laughs> but that cast, those two men represent so much to me that even in this point in my life, when I look back on them, I feel a certain pride.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, I, um, yeah that, that makes complete sense to me. I understand that. Like, oh, man, yeah, no, ah, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know,
2: so, um, Chris, um, no, Omar.
1: I'm sorry because I know we'll be with Chris for three days. Uh, Omar, do uh, you have another one that you want to? Oh yeah. Share? Um, I'll to mention to that, and then I'll do another. I'll do. I'll go from a graphic novel to a comic um, on par of what you said about that camaraderie shit. Um, Ronald Wimberly wrote uh, "Prince of Cats," which is basically Romeo and Juliet, but from a Tybalt, uh Tybalt's view. Uh, I I got a D, and I I. Yeah, I did poetry for like, since like junior year of like high school, uh, thanks to Mr. Ryan. And uh, I, I got a D in uh Jacoby and Shakespeare in college. I fucking hated Shakespeare, I'm like, I don't, and I was like, I'm, and it was like one of those things like, well, he's saying this, the guy's like, no, nah, he's actually saying this, I'm like, I don't get this shit, man, I, this is, this, I don't like, this shit sucks, I don't like this. That and James Joyce, I had a teacher that just like, my man loved James Joyce, I'm like, this stream of conscience writing, I'm like, I hate this. It's like, this dude could not get, he had like James Joyce tatted across the belly, like he loved that man. <laughs> But um, <laughs> Robert Wimberly, he was like, he wrote like, all right. I'm writing this. It's Shakespeare, and he wrote it all in meter too. And that and that it wasn't. And he wrote like, man, when did he release that? That was maybe that like 08. Re- no 2010 maybe 2008. He released it. I'm not sure, but like it wasn't until I saw that where I was like, all right, not like this. I can I can rock with this. This makes sense. And like he and he kept the street. It takes place in Brooklyn, and uh, these dudes jumping across um, uh, jumping across rooftops and like you know uh, what did he say uh, run thy kicks, knaves or or, or release flesh. And, um, there's a dude that's uh he's a graffiti artist and, um, no, there's a there's a graffiti artist and there are these guys, there's a group of friends, they're on the top of a rooftop and they, they, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Hark, I hear Aerosol's whisper. I'm like, shh. things like that, like, it's so smart. And it's written in meter and it's like, it's a cast that's fully like black too and take Blade in Brooklyn. I'm like, all right, this, like, this, this, like, this changed me. This shit changed, yeah, it was about 2008, I think, uh, 809. <laughs> I'm like, this shit yeah. changed me, um... So that Ronald Wimbledon's Prince of Cats, it was going to be. Can, a I, say
0: two, can I say two things about yeah. that Shakespeare experience? One, the reason you hated Shakespeare and hated Hamlet is because you weren't in my class when I was teaching it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't <taking> me, baby. <laughs> and secondly, what you're saying about, wow, I can get it all the, you know, black cast in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. That's also, in a way, the power of Shakespeare, because you can cast him in any interpretation, mm-hmm. you know, and bring it out and and this, I'm gonna ask you to text me that, uh, graphic novels title, yeah, yeah. But I'm teaching graphic novels this year, so I want to grab that
1: one. No problem, <laughs> like, yeah, it is, it is my, like, that shit, that shit, like, changed me entirely, and uh, it's, it's so good, and he's, like, just the way he writes, he's, like, all right, but he's, like, yo, this is all in meter, I mean, I'm retelling a story, yeah, my own words, it's all in meter, uh, they're black with swords, and there's, like, a swordsman list that you can make, and so, like, they're all trying to make that top ten, so you see a bunch of sword duels, as well, like, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, but, and then another one, going back to what you said, um, I read other people aside from John's, uh, but he had, um, there were these two guys, uh, I mean, maybe you heard their names, Booster Gold and Ted Cord, uh, running through, <laughs> uh, you know, when they are on the Justice League International together, and they are they the two best of friends. Uh, Jeff Johns did, uh, Countdown to Infinite Crisis, and he wrote The Death of Ted Cord and he wrote it from this, like, uh, this standpoint of, like, uh, what was the word for, uh, self, uh. Not and you yeah, worry like you're just beating up on yourself uh, a lot, which is like and everyone like kept everyone kept underestimating Ted Cord like self-deprecation. Yes, self-deprecation. self-deprecation. Yes. It was like it was like, ding, ding, ding,
2: ding, ding, ding. "What Not, do we win,
1: John?" Yeah. on that. And uh t- and I, it was my first time really reading. I heard he was a funny guy. And in my first time really reading Ted Cord and um from his perspective, and like he's like, all right, I think this conspiracy is happening. Goes to Batman for help. Batman dismisses him. it's a big reason that he dies, and the reason I hate Batman. But whatever. And uh, all these things kick off because of Ted Kord's death. And uh, he he calls in Superman one time in Justice League when he gets attacked because like, he thinks something's going on, but there's no like no evidence of it. And he's like oh, he's like I need mean, Superman's here. Like my voice cracks and Superman's here. Batman's annoyed. Wonder Woman's here. You know she makes you feel better, but I do she feel sorry for me. Uh, Like why do they all keep like they all keep looking down on me? Like even I was a part of this team. They all keep looking down on me. His boy Booster Gold comes to his aid, even though Booster was like taking money for him to try and do like commercials and things like that. Booster Gold comes back to his aid and everything, and um, so much so that uh he gets hurt because he helps Ted. Then Ted's like, all right, well I'm gonna do this on my own. Ted gets killed. It sets off all these uh all these motions. A great writing of that uh the aftermath of that is when Jeff Johns gets Booster Gold. And basically makes Booster what's seen as a joke, and then you come to find out actually, Booster is a time uh, he's a time master, he's the greatest time master of all time. No one knows that except him because he has to, like an idiot in front of the world while he's keeping the peace and time, and then you find out that Rick Master, uh Rick uh, yeah, Rick Masters, yep, who yep. was the oldest, I think the first time master in DC or whatever, it's a retcon now that he's Booster Gold's son, even though he's teaching Booster Gold how to be a t- like. That was a great, like, twist there. But the biggest thing was throughout that entire run, about maybe over, like, 30 issues, maybe, like, going into 50 or 40, something like that. Throughout that entire run, the death of Ted Cord always lingers with Booster Gold, so much so that he wants to fix the time. He does everything in his power to fix the timeline just to bring his boy back. And um, he gets him back. And at one point, he's like, all right, uh, Ted, Booster, Ted, Ted realizes, like, all right, he's done all this. The world's gone to shit so much so that Booster Gold is fading from reality, and then Ted's like, "All right, I have to die," and he runs back to the time machine. And Booster Gold's like, "No, no, no!" Booster's still like, "No, no, no! Wait, wait, wait!" We, he's like against the door as, as Ted's in. He's like, "We can fix this. Uh, I can go back again." And he's just like, "Just remember when you think of me. Just remember to just remember to laugh, man." And, and uh, Ted Cord laughs as he's like everything fades back to normal. And then there's this one time in the story as the as the run continues, uh, Booster Gold stops this uh, this uh, this kid. Let's try and mug something, mug someone. And he's yelling at the kid, and all of a sudden he's yelling about how his friend left him and he's still here and he has to deal with it. And, and the guy's like what what, like, what, 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 like, what the hell is this about? Like, and like, and how he like it just like bubbled up like that. And then that's finally the issue where he's like, he has to accept, all right, my dude is gone now. Like my, my man is gone. And the best I can do right now is to leave this little tribute to him. So he makes like a time bubble around Ted Cord's, uh, around Ted Cord's grave. And so, like, as we see, like, Booster walks away, we see time change around Ted Corps' grave, but the grave never changes, even though everything in the background changes about that. And Booster Gold keeps, like, commenting, like, yo, you're not here anymore, but, like, you're my best friend. I have to live on with that. I have to let go. I have to accept the fact that you're not here. It doesn't mean I have to let you go, though. And, and, like, just comments upon time and our friendship and how that transcends time. I'm like, this is fucking beautiful. Like, this is, this is how you write a friendship. And, like, that was never lost in the series. It was never, like, um oh, he died, now I'm angry, I'm going about this. Like, it was It was always yeah, a lingering thing in the back of his mind, just like actual death. Because you'll be sitting there doing your dishes one day, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, ah, gonna cry right now! Because, like, it's been 10 years, but my boy's gone, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or 10 years, my dad passed. Or, like, or just fighting something Baskin-Robbins, ordering a rum raisin. and you're like, what the hell's happening right now? Like, either maybe from not having dealt with it, or where you're just like, it just it just hits you. That's how death works. Like, yeah, I, I gotta
2: just say this. I hope everybody noted... The full megaton energy that <laughs> each other as he talks passionately about that comic book storyline, okay? Because stories matter, mm-hmm. and they can touch us in such
1: profound, profound ways. You know what's ironic with you saying this? My mom would always, go, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mister, I, I can't call you Chris, Mr. Ryan, <laughs> would never know. But my mom, like I had. So much so that I used to have my like comic books were in my my dresser drawers, right? I had a I had a dresser drawer, my comics were in there. I kept my clothes under my bed in the drawers under my bed. One time, I had a girl, my girlfriend was coming over for the first time at the time, and she's like, "Oh, hi, Miss Mom, how are you doing?" And my mom goes, "Has he told you about the comic books?" And then she, uh, and then she she's in my room, and she goes, "Wait, where do you keep your clothes?" My mom's like, "Oh my, like this kid," and she's like, "I blame Mr. Ryan, man. You, I wanted to get into like history and things like that. And Mr. Ryan got you in these damn comic books." And I'm like. I like, and then I would always argue with her. I'm like, yo, I'm like, this shit's on the top 100, like 100 bestseller for New York Times. You can't tell me nothing. But in the same vein, one time where I was like, I don't know if I had a mentor growing up. She was like, you had Mr. Ryan. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, I was like, I was like, yeah, but I mean, he's like, he's like, oh, you go back to see him after college. You still go back and talk to him about comic books, like, what? what? and I was like. All right, all right, yeah, so, like, she eventually, she eventually came around, and I was like, yo, this is, like, in solid, like, all right, this is, like, stories, he likes stories and things like that, Um, and, like, because I knew, like, my dad is really big into history, my dad knows, like, black, black history, predominantly black, African-American, and uh, indigenous history, that's his shit, I'm the same way, except it's just with stories and comic books, so it's, we have yeah. the same, like, Thought so process of like holding information, yeah. but it's just what it's. Okay. I'm like, and I I'm gotta, like,
2: I gotta, I gotta jump in there. I gotta, I gotta like, do it some of that down. I gotta, I gotta, got okay. So, so, Chris, you want to throw like two or three more, and then I'll grab some more from from online.
0: It it will look like two or three more because be,
2: <laughs> this, this is a this is
0: a tribute uh, to Omar uh, because these are all comics and there's something great about the way the story was told. That stayed with me. Remember, today's theme is stories that stayed with us, right? All right. So, in the nineteen forties, there was uh, the Ju- Justice Society of America, and one of the yep. members was Starman. But I think it was in the eighties or maybe the nineties. They wanted to bring Starman back, but in a whole different way. So they they rebooted it, and it was a great um, a refusal of the call, right? A hero's mm-hmm. journey where the the, uh, the kid who was destined to be Starman didn't wanna be Starman, so the older brother was Starman, and how uh, James Robinson started it was that he had the son in the old Star Starman co- uh, mm-hmm. uh, costume on patrol, and then he gets shot yep. and killed and falls to his death, and he is dead. Starman is dead on the street by the third page. And then we have to find the reluctant hero, mm-hmm. and that was such a refreshing way to, you know, what can you do with these old characters? You can still tell fresh <laughs> stories. <laughs> well, he, you know, he wasn't the hero. He wasn't, yeah. you know, yeah. um, He wound up becoming the uh, the mentor or the the person who was going to open the threshold, right? So yeah. here's another character from the '40s that in the '80s or '90s they did great stuff with, and that is the Spectre,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Spectre is the wrath of God. And in around that time, they finally let James Corrigan go to heaven. Now, James yep. Corrigan did one thing wrong, was paying for it by being the human host for the Spectre from the 40s yep. to about the 80s and 90s. That's purgatory for you, right? Yeah. So they did this thing where it was um, Ostrander and Tom Andrake, great run. And they didn't give the Spectre a, a human anchor. So he was just the old testament wrath Mm of God. And in this series, he almost wiped out the human race because he looked upon them and said, They're not worth living. Yep. (laughs) And that was uh, that's heavy duty stuff to put into a comic book, give you stuff to chew on and keep going. I'm gonna go up to very modern times now with our family member, Jamal Eigel and his crew, who did a series called Yeah. Black in a world that already hates and fears them. What if only black people had superpowers? Great perspective on the genre and on what would happen. And then really a conversation about the deep-seated racism of the um, of 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 America and our culture. I have to go to um, a news item just for a minute to share with you the greatest ad uh, placement I've ever seen. In today's uh, online Washington Post, there's an article about number forty five, president number forty-five is <laughs> number moving 45 to revamp. <laughs> right. He's moving to revamp federal agencies racial sensitivity training, yeah. casting some of them as divisive and un-American. And according to the according to a memo by the White House Office of Management and Budget, I swear to God, right after that lead paragraph was this ad for yep. Lovecraft Yeah. And- <laughs> greatest placement talk about the wink and the nod mm-hmm. because he is what that whole thing is about okay a couple of more just because i only promised to do three um i kill giants this is an indie and it was by joe kelly joe kelly and jim ken nimura and it's about a girl who is who believes that she kills giants and we get little pieces of it and as it comes together we realize that she is having a hard time dealing with her mom's fatal illness. her mom mm. is is dying and then she both fights and kills a giant and deals with her mom's passing mm. and it is a beautiful fantastical imaginative story that gets you right in the fields stays with you deep in the fields a major piece of work, Just like we were all (laughs) someone else yesterday, which also touches the same ground. And really, if you can write to the heart and soul of people, oh, man. All right, to lighten it up a little, man. Um, You know, again, old, stale characters, what can you do? You can declare World War Hulk. (laughs) Or you can go to Planet Hulk. These are great imaginative stories of a character. that We don't know what to do with him. Bam! Those guys did. (laughs) Lastly, we've loved Star Wars, most of us, for nine films, more or (laughs) less, and Star Trek for a billion things, more or less. But the Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, is sitting on perhaps the greatest space opera ever. And that is a really great story called Annihilation. It is two big, beefy collections but if they were to do that and it looks like they're putting the chess pieces into place for that they would have a multi-movie extravaganza masterpiece that talks about character and about loss and about courage and about unity and breaks down the barriers it doesn't make a difference uh what race or planet or galaxy you come from we are life and there's going to be People against us and for us, and and yeah and and yet yeah, the ones with the soul and uh, with the positive uh, uh, leaning are the ones that you have to fight with. And it's a great, great piece. I hope to live to see the day when that's in the theaters. I have several more, but I will
2: take a breath. And I have to <laughs> contribute to you, Omar Holman. Well, i <laughs> was going to give it to him. No, 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 no. It's, no, I, no, I,
0: no. I was saying all of that.
1: Was oh, for serious. me, yes. Oh, 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 oh.
2: sweet, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Okay, so let me just throw in a couple of mine here. Uh, I, I'm the one who came with the short list. Um, I, I want to go back to just very quickly to talk about again stories that touch us, and and from the comic book arena, I will pull. Uh, and I don't have the issues because I don't collect them the way um, if I had a, a building of my own, I would. Uh, <laughs> but there was a run in the original X-Men with uh, Nightcrawler that impacted on me something intensely in terms of great work, great writing, great storytelling, and great character development. Because Nightcrawler is extremely religious. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. a devout, I believe, a devout Catholic if I remember correctly. And
1: and
2: there's there's scenes in particular in that story run where he is in such pain trying to figure out how can I worship and recognize a god And I look like this. Yep. How do I fit in? What am I? You know, and he was in such turmoil trying to 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 rectify his existence, try to justify his faith. And, you know, it was was really great. Now, we know the X-Men really played the part of, you know, the the outcasts, the others, the ones that society didn't accept. And then you take that character and you say, yeah, and here's a guy, you know, Scott wears sunglasses. He can pass. You know, most of them they can pass. Beast and 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 Nightcrawler they stand out, mm-hmm. and it's like, do we accept them or not? Yeah, you know, and that was that was always that was something really important to me. I want to also then jump <clears throat> from comics for no, I'll stay in comics for another moment. Um, the Superman story that again I don't have in front of me, uh, but he goes up against a group of of super beings who are into killing the villain. Instead of capturing them and putting them away, and yeah, I know Omar is trying to pull. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay. And the thing about that I is,
0: I'm looking in the mental Rolodex. There.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's a one-issue story, and the the, the the characters are very, they're very powerful to, together as a unit. They're very powerful. They okay. take down the colossal beasts. They tend and Superman keeps trying to go. It's not our job to kill. It's our mm-hmm. job subdue and and have them have a fair trial. And they're going, yo, get out my face. And he, he he keeps trying to get them to pull back. And the people are starting to say, hey, you know, this is right. They, they, let them do their thing because we don't have to worry about them coming back. We mm-hmm. don't have to worry about these things coming out You guys capture them. And the next thing we know, they're, they're terrorizing us again. So soup keeps arguing, keeps trying to stand for it. And finally they say, all right, you're a problem. <laughs> You're a problem. We're tired of talking to you about this. We're going to take you out. And it's a high noon moment. Now, this is like Mm -hmm. Cooper in a Western. They're letting them know that at at the crack of dawn, we're coming and we're going to take you out, Superman. That's it. And at this point in the storytelling, Superman is married to Lois Lane. So they have almost their last night together. They're lying there in the bed and he's, he's, he's kind of quiet and she's laying with him. And she realizes he doesn't know if he can take them. Yep. He doesn't know if he can survive yep. this encounter because they intend to kill him. Yep. And she's saying, well, you know, you're going to have to. And he says, I, I can't do that. And she realizes I may lose you. And sure enough, he gets up that morning, puts on the suit, goes out to meet them, and they're hovering above Metropolis. And he says, I ask you only one favor. Let's take this else yes. so that the battle doesn't destroy. Doesn't destroy the city, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's look back at a bunch of stories and movies where they destroy <laughs> But it's okay. Nobody else died. <clears throat> right. So anyway, they take it to the moon, and the battle begins, and they are beating the stuffings out of him until he yep. taps and says, I get it now, and he goes for it. And the leader is the only one left standing mm-hmm. and man wipes out his people. And he goes, You you can't do this. You can't you can't do this. You and I stopped with you. He goes, Yes, I can. Mm. You know, and he's about to take him out. And I will stop there because the story is what what's wrong with truth, justice, and the American Way, I think is the name of the title. I think Jeff Loeb wrote it, if I remember yeah. right. If I remember what's wrong with well, Truth, and Justice story. And American Way. And it's it's a great Superman story, and it reminds us that he stands for the the he stands for life and hope, not for darkness, despair, and destruction. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that, like the Lone Ranger, like 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 Nightcrawler fighting for his identity, you know, these are these are key moments in good storytelling that resonate with human beings because these are types of things we go up against. Maybe we're not fighting aliens, you know, but at some point, what do you stand for? What do you mm-hmm. believe when they test you, when they push you against the wall, what do you believe? And I'll go with one more, something simpler, something that was the line that that made me was the moment that I knew I crossed the line in trying to become a writer is I picked up a book and I turned I think it was still in a bookstore. I opened it up and I read the first paragraph which started out, the seller of lightning rods came this way. And I realized just how that those words were formed and then subsequent paragraphs thereafter. I said, this is the way I want to be able to write. Yeah. And it was something wicked this way comes was the book. You know, and I, I said, This this is what I want to do. You know, so this that story you talked about, um the 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 two characters, uh, Booster Goal and yeah. Ted and their friendship. The two characters in something wicked, these two boys who had been born at the exact same time. They weren't related, they're were neighbors, but they were best friends. And one of them was sinking into an abysmal Dark, destructive, supernatural place, and his friend trying to hold on to him and bring him back because no, this is my friend. I can't let you die. I can't let you go into this, and you know, struggling against something that was far greater, stronger, more evil, more powerful than a- either of them. But he stuck with his friend and he tried. These are things that resonate with me. And then the last one I'll mention is, an unfortunately again, I, 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 in mentioning this, I have to bring up, probably in some people's minds, the, the name of an actor but it's not the actor that I'm talking about, it's the characters. I Spy. I Spy for me was the next logical step from The Lone Ranger and Tonto. Mm -hmm. Because Robert Culp and Bill Cosby were these two men, these two secret agents who had each other's back through whatever happened. Personal life, um, international uh, danger, they had each other's back consistently. And they were there for one another And that was the next, again, coming up in the 50s, 60s, that was the next image I saw on television. And in particular was the episodes that Culp wrote for Cosby to perform in in that show that gave him a family life. You know, mother and father, where he came from in Philadelphia, and a storyline to tie it in there, gave him romantic scenes in a couple of episodes where it was a woman that he really cared about and went for, because that wasn't happening before on television. And to see that happening and suddenly realize what had not been there for 10 plus years of my television watching life mm-hmm. was an amazing moment. So these are those kinds of things. And of course I continue to read, you know, you read Sherlock Holmes, you read you know, things by Walter Mosley and things like that. And it's great. And I have a wide range of mystery type of stuff that I watch and I read. But I think there's certain moments in your life where you realize that's what I, I, that's what I connect to now on a certain level. That's the thing that comes back to me every now and then and refreshes me or brings a smile to my face for a moment. You know, it's those moments where where innocence is changed or enlightenment is revealed and you become a slightly different person. Mm -hmm. And I think those are really important moments that, you know, hopefully we will all be able to talk about years from now. Mm So uh, let me throw one more thing here and then we're going to probably have to wind this up here. Mm -hmm. I just Mentioned again because I want I, Chris and I are you know always asking our listeners and and the people who who come to our pages on, on Facebook and so forth you know the, you know contribute tell us what you want tell us what you love and all that kind of stuff so I just want to make sure I grab a couple more people Walt Simonson Woo! comic book man right Thor and 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 uh, oh God what was the uh, star smashers and all this Walt Simonson says Lester del Rey's day of the Giants is one of his favorites um it's a variant tale of ragnarok so you know walt that's hard. which is son of simon you know so we know it's a little bit of norwegian you know oh. nordic connection there so yeah that's one that he's into and he says he read it around the eighth grade or so and then he took it out of the school library and i i think he's hinting that he never quite returned to <laughs> not sure about that well we'll have to talk we'll have to talk and then Michael Wright. Now, Michael Wright is a, a good friend who lives out on the West Coast. But I met Michael when he was an editor at D.C. And Michael and I worked on Scooby-Doo and some stuff together. So he says, All's Quiet on the Western Front by uh, Eric Maria. Ma- Mariah. No, it's Maria. There we go. Eric Maria. Um, and then there's another one. He says, It took all of the romance out of war. He says that, that stuff that I adored over years of old war films and comics as a kid and crushed them under the cold, unforgiving hand of reality. I never romanticized war again. Okay. That was Eric Mariah uh, Remark. Is his name. Yes, I right. The last yeah. name R E M A R Q U E. And Eric is spelled E R I C H, right? Yeah. Yes. yes okay. cool. And we'll do one more. This may be considered one of the classics, a short story. I think one of you mentioned this person before. The Purloined Letter by Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. This person, this is Catherine. She read this in college. The idea of something hiding in plain sight really stuck with me. Uh, And so, if you know that story, there's a whole thing, it's a mystery story, but it's this letter that people are seeking, and where they eventually find it. It's like the the old adage if it had been a snake, it would have bit me. Exactly. yeah so oh you hadn't heard that one okay so a little bit of that old timer wisdom yeah. um so anyways, so we've named a lot of stuff so good what were you gonna say chris
0: well, ladies and gentlemen when uh you know we're co-hosts co-hosts here and when alex simmons drops a name he drops absolutely legendary names right and when i drop a name it's the co-creator of uh, Black, uh, Black Nerd Project, <laughs> and the writer of We Were All, someone else yesterday, Omar Holman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That Omar, I just want to let you know that I am a name too, Alex. Yeah. That was Omar, right? Omar Holman? <laughs> <laughs> Omar <laughs> Holman, yeah. Okay. That's a heavyweight right
1: there. You know, you Omar has
2: I have Omar Holman. Yeah, well he <laughs> actually Omar's actually accredited some of his his skills and his development as a creative to some old codger named Chris something or other. Um, yeah. by, I think it's Chris Teezer. Yeah. Chris yeah. Ryan. Ryan. That's it. Yeah, Chris MC Gieser Ryan. MC Ryan, yeah. we call him. Yeah. Oh, MC, the, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. MC Ryan. I'll Ooh. call Chris.
1: So Mr. The, uh, Chris Ryan.
0: The revelation of today was that his mother used to throw his name, my
1: name, up there. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. They were everywhere. The comics were everywhere. I'm like, hey, hey! This all learned in school, so I know what you want me to do. <laughs> it's homework, ma. It's homework. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I gotta, I gotta say, guys. um, A, this has been terribly, tremendously fun, enjoyable, great. Um, the other thing too is uh, to the folks listening. we started out by talking about Chadwick and uh, the Black Panther and and the the impact he had doing that role, but also the other roles he portrayed and his life as a gentleman and the human being that he was. And it was going to stick with us. And one of the things that came up on the panel that I did, uh, the Wakanda panel, uh, was moving forward, does his passing, should his passing or does his passing influence whether or not there should be Another Black Panther film or more stories with the Black Panther. And I think one of the things that that we all need to remember, and it's happened with novels, it's happened like with Nero Wolf, you know, when um, when the creator, uh, Chris, help me. I just lost the name of who created Nero Wolf.
0: Uh, that guy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Omar Imparent-
0: Holman. I think it was
2: Omar <laughs> Holman. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, when when Nero Will when the create the writer creator of Nero Wolf died, um, someone else picked up the mantle and continued writing some of those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there have been a number of Sherlock Holmes stories written by a number of different people, including mm-hmm. Eric. Uh, I I don't feel, and if you look at the Black Panther stories prior to the movie, there's been a number of writers, Christopher Peace, Priest, Don McGregor, and others. Um, So I think the Black Panther, the character and the stories and what that fiction and the wonder of that world brings to the table should not end Uh because a great person and and, an actor did. I think the worst thing we could do is bury that because Uh he has been buried. I think that we were fortunate to see him portray the character. We were fortunate. I see your finger there, Chris. We were fortunate to see him portray the character. We were fortunate to see... Him bring it to life on film. And I think that has placed the bar at a certain level. And I would like to see that bar, that level, reached again and maybe even surpassed by others. But I think stories, good, strong stories that touch people, that mean something to us, should always last beyond the creator, if possible. Mm-hmm. And Chris, you wanted to say something?
0: I would just say that, you know, just the far distant view that I had of uh, Chadwick Bozeman is uh, I do not think he would be pleased if they stopped telling that tale mm-hmm. and representing the way that they did during Black Panther with the cast and the crew, both in front of the uh, camera and behind and the quality I, and the culture. I, I think he would be upset if it was his passing that stopped that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know that, uh, it's now's the time to say how it would continue, but I think that if we watch all the clips, we can get an idea that he would want the culture to can move in, continue moving forward.
1: That's
2: yeah, I agree.
1: Know. Oh yeah. Uh, and how's it move forward? Give it to Shuri. It's what happened in the comic books anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Simple as that. Like,
2: Very cavalier.
0: I, <laughs> I would say I would. Respectfully disagree. I think uh, I think they have plans for her already. I think mm. I bet I would bet that she's going to be part of the Young Avengers. You know, oh, right? And I would yeah. I would let I would like to see her get that, and not be have you know not have to be what
1: you know what the Black Panther what, would be. Well, I see what right? the problem with that. I see what you're saying. The problem That's that.
0: There are actors out there now who have brought a weight and a cultural relevance to the screen. Um, you know, um, one was Blue on HBO recently. Um, That might be considered, you know. Um, There's another one who's been cast in uh, another role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that might... They might recon- you know reconsider now that this has happened. Mm. I don't think that the public should fault if there's ever a recasting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he didn't lose the job, he lost a, or it, he passed due to an a okay. amazingly noble fight. Mm-hmm. you know, and it would should be seen as a tribute that they would continue the work that he had started. But those are two guys that I would think of uh, so that that story could move forward. While Sherry, Sherry gets, uh, Shuri gets gets to her own her, the way she was, yeah. you know, because yeah. there's so much story still to tell. But and I would, respectfully I say,
2: disagree. That's the feeling I had when people were talking uh, about the, the next Bond and, and whether or not uh, a certain black actor should play that role. And I was. I'll addict- say it.
0: Idris Elba.
2: Yeah, I would. I would. Well, my wife just her ears just picked up. <laughs> <laughs> herself oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, tell her, Tell her. I'll see what I can do about an intro. Um. Anyway. You no. Know,
1: Cassine
0: Gaines sends her Idris Elba pictures. <laughs> yeah. you
2: no, that? I didn't. Thanks for sharing that. Does
0: her? Doesn't send them to
2: me.
1: I would just
0: like. like he's undermining my marriage. The
2: reason. The reason that I felt Idris should not have that role is I wanted to see him create a role of his own. I wanted to see him as a, he could be a British agent, I don't care, but I wanted to see what he would do rather than seeing him pick up the mantle of Bond. I wanted that to be his own thing. And so- and
0: I agree with you. I think the, the character Bond would be limiting to the range that he has already established.
2: Yeah, and I, that's, that's my feeling about it. But anyway,
0: what it He could do, be a good blackjack. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whatever happens with with all that, you know, uh, you know, is is not in our hands at the moment. But I want to thank everybody very, 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 very much uh, for bringing, well, bringing your A game and your A list, you know, <laughs> to 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 this episode. Uh, definitely some stories of to touch. And I think we should do this again because obviously Chris uh, has many more titles. Than I, you- I have about fifteen more titles I didn't bring, but I am going to
0: show one more, the actual book oh, nice. Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff is great the hbo show is is really good but if you can get two experiences out of the same story take advantage because nice. this is uh this is goes it doesn't have to compress as much as hbo does and you get two different fields that are worth the experience
2: nice there you go there you go omar you want to say anything to the folks before we say arrivederci uh
1: Black Nerds Matter. (laughs) I was was thinking about these two other books, and I was like, wait, I'll say that for next time. I'll say that for the next time. And
2: we'll do, you know, we won't let weeks go by. You know, a week or two, we'll be back with this again.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, we'll definitely do that. Maybe we can get uh, Cassine and Tony to join us. Yeah,
0: well, those two guys, you got to book them. Like two or three, you know,
1: they're Isn't busy a people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're
0: busy, busy,
1: busy. Yeah, like like we now,
0: now, But anyway, that's not now the point. Omar is busy and Alex is busy, but they, you know, they they're more they're they're they're. They're not uh, as
2: organized as we are. So anyway schedule well, that <laughs> fluid. No, that's, that's
0: alright. Gaines gains and Jackson
2: holding whole cities <laughs> up on their shoulders. No, no. Cassim's <laughs> got a book in the works. He should come talk about it. He does. He does. And yeah, he, he's on heavy I dead dead more dead. Than that, I know he's already talked about it in social media, but I'm gonna leave that for him to talk about. And Tony, yeah. I've been checking out his his the videos that you've been seeing. Yeah. Tony oh, is deep. We got to get him back on the show. So, Chris, I leave that in your hands. Book him. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Everybody,
0: I'll talk to great. him now. It's Coming very- in 2020. Gaines and Jackson 2021, probably, with their schedule. <laughs>
2: hey, we'll see. We'll see if we can get them sooner. Anyway, Omar, do come back. Chris, okay. you and I again naturally next week. People, write in. Tell us some more about the, the stories that have affected you, that stick with you, that you love, that you hate, whatever. And they can be films, too. We've talked a little bit of TV, a little bit of films, a lot of books, comic books. It's it's all good. So, until the next time, Chris, take us home. Read more books. Read more <laughs> comics. Read. We were all someone
0: else <laughs> yesterday by Omar Holman. And learn how to tell your damn, damn story. story.
2: Peace. Take care, everybody.
0: <laughs> take care. Peace.